0: Seven o'clock! Did you guys hear him? What time's the seven o'clock meeting start? Seven o'clock! Seven o'clock. So welcome to Position of Neutrality. Welcome to New Freedom. Those of you that have come from the outside and you've heard the rumors of our demise, you can look for yourself and see that we are not dead. We are alive and thriving. We're going to open with a prayer. Chaplain Lee's in the house.
1: Come on and stand to your feet all over the building. All right. Father, we thank you again tonight, this day, this hour. We thank you for what you've done, what you're doing, but most of all for what you're about to do. We continually look for the outpouring of your spirit in this place because without you, we are nothing. We know it was you who created it. And it's you who keep it. So we ask you now, Lord, that you will get into the meeting on tonight. Use your manservant as he speaks with the clarity to all those who have come far and near. We give you the praise and glory and honor because we know it's important that we take these steps for our lives. And we continue to follow you and recognize that it's not about us, but you can continually do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think according to that power that worketh in us. So we thank you and we praise you. We give you all the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And let everyone say, amen. 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 God bless you.
0: Thank you, Chaplain Lee. He's on injured reserve, so he came just to pray for us, and he's going to run on out of here. We better give him a round of applause for Chaplain Lee. How many members are in the house tonight? Good. To, thank you. Thank you very much. We know you have a long day. We appreciate you coming out. How many staff are in the house tonight? We know you guys are having long days. We appreciate you too. How many family members of members are in the house? Thank you. Thank you for supporting these men and women. So for those of you who may be been hearing the rumors, obviously they are not true. Uh, we're working through it, met with corrections today. For those of you who went through questioning by your health plans today, um, we got this. This ain't the first time. And besides that, we know the guy we serve, and he doesn't lose. So, so um, tonight we're going to take a look at, at step 12. And so, what you want to do is go in your books to a chapter called Working with Others. And you're gonna find that on chapter seven, page 89. Those of you who are following in a book, if you're not following in a book, I'll try not to lie to you. (laughs) All right, so, so they start out, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. How many of you from those two statements hear a promise and a condition? What's the promise? (laughs) What works? Intensive work, one with another. It works when other activities fail. How many of you heard the promise that other activities will fail? So there's something about connection. It's more blessed to give than to receive. This this thing has always worked through impartation, back to the earliest days. And if we don't take part in that, then we miss the house cleaning we seek. Does that make sense? Okay. So then it says, this is our 12th suggestion, colon. So they gave me the selfish reason why in self-interest I would want to work intensively with others, because it. It's in, it ensures immunity. It works when other activities fail. But the self ish reason, self preservation, is not the suggestion, because the se- suggestion would be selfless, wouldn't it? Because we're trying to get rid of self. Okay? So it says carry this message to other alcoholics. You can help when no one else can, you can secure their confidence when others fail. Remember, they're very ill. How many of you have determined as you came out over your own addictive disorder that that person that you were was indeed quite ill and although looking something like you, behaving oftentimes nothing like you? Yes? So the selfless reason is if I don't take out in my walk and in my talk the exact story of the redemption I experienced... I not only don't complete my house cleaning, but I don't offer the healing to them that was so freely given to me. Does it make sense? So we're still linked, but I'm doing it even when it's hard because it's the only way I can use that musty past for treasure, to avert suffering for others. Yes? Okay. So then they promise, if I understand that about what I'm doing... Life will take on new meaning. How many of you have needed for your life to take on new meaning? How many of you have been sober a while and discovered I'm going to need a little new meaning? So it's a manner of living. It was never about abstinence anyway. That's a byproduct of serving. Does it make sense? So it says to watch people recover to see them help others. To watch loneliness vanish to see a fellowship grow up about you. To have a host of friends, this is an experience you must not miss. We know you'll not want to miss it. The authors of this book wrote down their testimony precisely. They said the words they meant, and they meant the words they said. Notice how they didn't say, This is a sight you must not miss. They said, This is an experience you must not miss. How many of you, as you've grown in the Spirit, realize there's a full body experience with sharing your redemption with another? Who knows what I'm talking about? Who doesn't know what I'm talking about? There's a signature of the Spirit, is there not? So when someone shares truth with you and you receive truth, we know, don't we? Why would I want to improve conscious relationship with a power that's conceptual? I wouldn't. This impartation is where... the tangible experience of the spirit, why I want to improve my awareness of being aware. That's why I want to be stronger in the spirit than I am in the flesh. Does that make sense? Okay. So then they get to say, perhaps you're not acquainted with any drinkers who want to recover. Do you think that's true in Phoenix Arizona today? You can easily find some by asking a few doctors, ministers, priests, or hospitals. They'll be only too glad to assist you. Don't start out as an evangelist or a reformer. Why not? Yeah, none of us want to hear about the evils of drinking or drugging when we're drinking and drugging, right? Right? You shouldn't shoot heroin anymore. I don't like your attitude about my heroin use. (laughs) Unfortunately, a lot of prejudice exists. You'll be handicapped if you arouse it. So I'm not condemning them or their behavior. I'm not condemning what it is they're doing. I'm simply telling that if you, by any chance, desire redemption such as I have experienced, I'm happy to introduce you to the one who pulled it off. So power. Who, Who said power? When I say God, you say? God. There you go. Ministers and doctors are competent, and you can learn much from them if you wish, but it happens that because of your own drinking experience, you can be uniquely useful to other alcoholics. Now notice how they worded that. It is not your drinking experience alone that makes you uniquely useful. The alcoholic properly armed with the facts about himself can be uniquely useful. So I was once this, and now I'm that, and I had nothing to do with it. But I can introduce you to the one who did. Does that make sense? Okay. So cooperate, never criticize, to be helpful is our only aim. When you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can about him. That sounds like a lot of listening and a lot less talking maybe, huh? And then it gives us a caution. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. You might spoil a later opportunity. How many of you have tried to convince people to stop drinking and drugging when they were, did you find they were less than receptive? How many of you had people try and persuade you to stop doing it when you were doing it? Were you less than? Okay, I got you. How many of you didn't think recovery worked because of some of those experiences? See, we don't want to spoil a later opportunity. Just because of my fear, why would I pour my fear onto you? I had nothing to do with my recovery. And the fact that I've run into you out of 7 billion people on the planet, that's not a chance encounter. It's an opportunity for you to see what can happen to a wretch like me. Yes? Yeah. All right, so... Then it says, this this advice is given for his family also. They should be patient realizing they're dealing with a sick person. If there is any indication he wants to stop, have a good talk with the person most interested in him, usually his wife. Get an idea of his behavior, his problems, his background, the seriousness of his condition, and his religious leanings. You need this information to put yourself in his place to see how you would like to approach him to approach you if the tables were turned. So, before we start witnessing to anyone else, we need to take a moment. Why do you think we learn to pray, meditate, pray? Pause when agitated or doubtful, pray, meditate, pray. I need to be awakened enough in the spirit to know how to respond in the spirit. Does it make sense? And so, I need to know how you're going to respond to what I say. If I say something that's offensive to you because of your religious leanings, or your lack of religious leanings, then we've just wasted the entire encounter. But we serve a God. Power. I was hoping you'd catch that. We serve a God who meets us, meets us where we are, but refuses to let us stay there. How many of you found that out? So all we got to do is walk out, once we've had the encounter, true? All right. But well, as a human messenger, I need to be careful not to invoke my fears and prejudices. Does that make sense? Which is why I wanna be in the spirit. Okay, I'm gonna jump from there to um, middle of page 91, because most of us are not gonna to have to go to hospitals and doctor's offices to find people. We're probably gonna to go to fellowship meetings. Right? At least at first. So let's talk about what that experience looks like. The middle of the page says, see your man alone if possible. How many of you have had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps and endeavors to work with others? Good, a good percentage of you. The rest of you will be raising your hand soon if you want to get well. So you know. Not because it's a rule, but that's how I convert my past. That's how I get rid of my self-condemnation, my guilt, shame, remorse from everything else because everything I went through was intentional as long as I use it to help my brother or sister. Make sense? All right. So if you want to see your man or woman alone, what do you got to do in the modern fellowship? <laughs> I wasn't talking, you know, like snares or anything. Was... Sometimes you have to wait till the crowd subsides, do you not? Because people can be a bit, you know, in their in their zeal to share whatever they have to share. Sometimes people rush them and tell them what to do. Have you ever seen that happen? Says, at it, it first, engage in general conversation. What's that look like? Haven't seen you around before. You work in the area? Did you catch the game last night? How many of you have gone to a meeting and seen somebody new show up and? seeing what happens to them. It's a little intimidating when you're the new guy that's a little shell-shocked. Who's Who's been the new guy that got swarmed with instruction? It's like... Yeah. Don't be that guy. Approach them. Don't approach them how you were approached. Approach them how you would like to be approached if the roles were reversed. Does that make sense? Get centered in the Spirit. So... Tell him enough about your drinking habits, symptoms, and experiences to encourage him to speak of himself. So share, but don't overshare. It's not about you. It's about what you can say to them to make them comfortable to start talking to you. Does that make sense? It says, if he wishes to talk, let him do so. What if he doesn't want to talk? Have you, who Who is the new guy that didn't want to talk? Me. Who is the new guy that didn't find anything funny? Ain't nothing funny. Okay, okay. you'll thus get a better idea of how you ought to proceed. If he's not communicative, give him a sketch of your drinking career up to the time you quit, but say nothing for the moment of how that was accomplished. Why'd they caution us about that? You look perplexed. How many of you that were in addiction and alcoholism and then it ceased know how that was accomplished? I see no hands. You do know how it was accomplished? Incarceration. Yeah, it's a a mystery to me. I'm not going to tell anyone they don't know, but I will tell you I used every day no matter what. If I was not hospitalized, comatose, locked down, chained up, I didn't stop. And then one day, pow, it never happened again. What the hell What the hell did I do? I finally agreed to go to the detox that had been suggested forever. I survived the detox and the sickness and the treatment and the people coming to visit me. And in one of those treatments, a man came to me and he made sense for the first time ever in my life. He talked about a story about a redemption from a state that he didn't even hardly recognize anymore. And I knew, I couldn't even understand what he said. I shook so bad and was in and out of hallucinations. But I knew if I could learn what that man was talking about, I'd never be the same. So I asked him, would you be willing to work with me when I get out of here? And he said something I never expected to hear. He said, I'd be honored to. See, when you're in the middle of homelessness and rugged addiction, you're not very pretty. Not very many people are honored to do much of anything for you. True? So he starts to walk out. He had a real pretty girlfriend. He starts to walk out of that lockdown unit. And he turns around. He had said to me, you know, you call me as soon as you get out. He spins around. And he goes, on second thought, you better call me before you get out. You don't look so good. <laughs> I hadn't taken a suggestion in years, but I called that man before I got out. And he came where I was staying the very next morning prompt. And I'm telling you, he introduced me to this power, and he introduced me to this manner of living, and I will tell you I've been following that power and that manner of living, and I see a fellowship growing up around me. I have a host of friends. I walk in miracles every day. And I'm telling you, if you're in the sound of my voice, you're entitled to that too. And we got a wide reach here because we're talking all over the world, aren't we, Brian? So, all right, so when he, when he sees you know all about the drinking game, commence to describe yourself as an alcoholic. Tell him how baffled you were and how you finally learned that you were sick. How many of you were baffled by your addiction? Really wanted to stop, could manifest no outward action. Pull together a day or two and then the reels had come off. So how baffled were you? Pretty, pretty bloody baffled. Yeah. And then how did you finally learn that you were sick? I always think that's an interesting question because a lot of us get to recovery and we don't really believe we were sick. We still believe we were acting willfully. Anyone in that class? So if you don't believe in mental illness, that'd be an easy belief to have. But if you, ever, if you believe in mental illness and if you actually get it far enough away from your addictive disorder to see... How aberrant your actions are, how contrary to your intention those actions are, you would understand that that's, that's an illness. Yes? How many of you got in a little bit deplorable condition? Who's got a booking photo that. Where's Rodney? <laughs> Guys, when we see an animal on the street and their fur's all matted and they, they look gangly and un, unwell, we know they're unwell. How come when I see my brother and sister out there in the same condition, I don't know they're unwell? Maybe I'm looking with the wrong eyes, don't you think? <clears throat> okay. So it says, "If it says, uh, show him the mental twist which leads to the first drink of a spree." We suggest you, to you, that we've done done this as we have done it in the chapter on alcoholism. So they're talking about Jim the car guy. guys know the story of Jim the car guy? Do you relate to him? He drank. He didn't start drinking until later in life, but when he got started drinking, he was good at it, and he eventually drank away the car dealership he owned. Have you you guys ever read that story? So he had to go to work for the dealership he once owned. Any of you ever had to go to a job that was less than what you knew you were capable of? Well, Jim was going to this car dealership he used to own, but he was an employee, and it said he was a, a little agitated. When he got there, he had a few words with the boss. Nothing serious. Any of you ever had a few words with the boss, nothing serious? So after he had this little discussion with the boss, Jim got a bright idea. Although he was at the car dealership where people come to buy cars, he'd go out in the woods looking for people to come buy cars any of you ever get to where you were supposed to be and then felt like you ought to be somewhere else? So it's not that strange, is it? So on his way out to these woods where these car buyers who don't come to dealerships hang out, he passes a roadside place where they happen to have a bar. But he ain't tripping because he don't pick up no matter what. He's going to go in there and get a sandwich and a glass of milk. And have you ever just stopped somewhere innocently to do something? (laughs) Okay, well, that's what he did. Ordered a sandwich and a glass of milk, and then the thought came to him. You know, if I ordered a shot of whiskey, it wouldn't hurt me on a full stomach. So just to be safe, he orders another sandwich and another glass of milk with the shot of whiskey. And that experiment worked so well, he had another now, they didn't mention a third sandwich or milk. So what do you imagine he had another of? Whiskey. Any of you relate to him now? Everyone goes, who puts whiskey in milk? Well, maybe you don't. But who went to the dope house to show the fellows how good you's doing? <laughs> <laughs> so if some of you followed along with that, what we're trying to say, you'll match the inconsistencies with some of our own. We'll start to find ourselves in the experience. Does that make sense? Okay, so then, if you're satisfied that he's a real alcoholic, begin to dwell on the hopeless feature of the malady. So based on what you'll tell me about yourself, seldom mildly intoxicated, always more or less insanely drunk, the way they define a real alcoholic, I'll ascertain that you may benefit from this manner of living that I've been shown. And so then I need to describe to to you me as an alcoholic. When I put alcohol in my body, instead of it sedating me, it energizes me. And this other guy comes out, and God only knows, I go out to get, get, go to get smokes and end up in Mexico. You know, that's, that's the kind of shit that happens to a guy like me. <coughs> so it says, show him from your own experience how the queer mental condition surrounding that first drink prevents normal functioning of the willpower. So how many of you went out, you were doing clean time, and you were working, you had a really hard week at work? Any of you ever had that happen? I'm staying clean, I'm doing right, and I'm having a hard time at work. And a few people at work say, hey, we're going to go out and have a few pops after work. Been a hard week. We're going to let off some steam. Any of you ever had that happen to you? What'd you decide? I had a hard week. I want to have a few pops and let off some steam. Any of you ever? Why can't I go have a few pops? Any of you try that? What'd you find out? They all went home and I went and lived under a bush, that's why I can't go. Because I have an abnormal reaction. Does it make sense? And people that have had an abnormal reaction, they understand that I'm energized by sedatives because they are similarly. Yes? Where's my opiate addicts? You guys get hooked up, you out vacuum in the lawn and all kind of (laughs) shit, right? Well, I know that guy out there in his underwear. I think that's a mop at his hand in the grass. (laughs) Must be one of my brethren. Don't at this stage refer to this book unless he's seen it and wishes to discuss it and be careful not to brand him as an alcoholic. Let him draw his own conclusion. If he sticks to the idea that he can still control his drinking, tell him that possibly he can if he's not too alcoholic. Guys, we're not throwing him under the bus. We're just, you need to convince us before we tell you more. Does it make sense? I'm not here to c- convert you. I'm not here to talk to you about the evils of drugs and alcohol. I'm here to talk to you about when you want out, I know a way out. So it says continue to speak of alcoholism as an illness, a fatal malady. Talk about the conditions of body and mind which accompany it. So what are these conditions of body and mind? How many of you can recall that strange mental blank spot they talk about? I know another run is going to be a long run and not turn out well for me any of you been there how many of you knew that did it anyway I used to hear in the rooms insanity is doing the same thing expecting a different result have you heard that how many of you took it out far enough that you did the same thing with no expectation of a different result I'd look right at you and go yeah this is going to suck that's for sure this is going to be all bad. Come on. <laughs> and the condition of mind. What happens when you have a lot of clean time and then one day you don't? Were you, were you wrestling with things? Were you restless, irritable, and discontent? See, I got to learn to pay attention to what's going on within me. That's if I'm restless, irritable, and con- discontent, then there's something to matter with my spiritual status. Yeah. Does it make sense? All the more reason you want to awaken and then strive to improve as you go. Yes. All right. Continue to speak of alcoholism as an illness, a fatal malady. Talk about the conditions of body and mind which accompany it. Keep his attention focused mainly on your personal experience. Explain that many are doomed who never realize their predicament. Doctors are rightly loath to tell alcoholic patients the whole story unless it'll serve some good purpose, but you may talk to them about the hopelessness of alcoholism because you offer a solution. What is the solution I offer to the truly hopeless? And a power that animates me and desperately wants relationship with them. So much so that he sent me to you To be a witness does that make sense you'll soon have your friend admitting he has many if not all the traits of an alcoholic if his own doctor is willing to tell him that he is alcoholic so much the better even though your protege may not have entirely admitted his condition he's become very curious to know how you got well then they give you one more caution let him ask you that question if he will we sometimes want to jump ahead of the spirit. Don't get ahead over your skis because you're going to scare the hell out of them when you pronounce the power and they're not ready to receive it. But when someone really wants to know and I tell them the truth, they know that I know. True? Yep. You guys that are working with others, isn't that the fact? So it says, let him ask you that question if he will. Tell him exactly what happened to you. I already did an example of that for you. That's what happened to me. So that's why I didn't tell him how it happened for me, because I don't know the how, I only know the who. I know who it happened to, I don't know how it was done. I figured I was going to die like everyone else I watched die. Anyone else? Yeah. Only question I wanted answered was When? Anyone know what I'm talking about? So it says, stress the spiritual feature freely. Guys, we can't be apologetic. I don't have to be theological. I have to be unapologetic about the spirit that animates me that has led me to you. That's all. It ain't a theology. It's an experience. If he does not... he. If a man be agnostic or atheist, make it emphatic, he does not have to agree with your conception of God. Why not? Exactly, because God's not a conception. God is power. power. Okay. He can choose any conception he likes, provided it makes sense to him. So at least if you're hearing things that don't make sense, then that's not it. You can't move into conscious relation without moving into it consciously. So why would we lie to you about what's up? We gotta, we gotta give it to you straight. How many of you liked your dope cut? <laughs> Nobody wants their dope cut. Don't cut our dope. Stress the spiritual feature freely. We ain't got nothing else, guys. How many of you learned that powerless was not a theory? I can't get me sober. I can't keep me sober. I damn sure don't have that control over you. But I know one who does. The main thing is that he be willing to believe in a power greater than himself and that he live by spiritual principles. So the power is found in you. We're going to share it before we're through. And then if you'll walk with me and do the things I do, you will find in time that you'll be walking with a new man or a woman within you. And you'll be able to check your thinking with that new man or woman within you. And you will find that signs and wonders follow you just as they do me. Yes? Yes. So then it says that when dealing with such a person, you'd better use everyday language to describe spiritual principles. That's what I just tried to do for you. There is no use in arousing any prejudice that he may have against certain theological terms and conceptions about which he may Already be confused. Don't raise such issues no matter what your own convictions are. I'm not going to read about the religious guy tonight because I don't feel like that's what the Spirit wants to do. I'm going to go to 94. It says, outline the program of action, explaining how you made a self-appraisal. It would be a good idea if I had made one if I was going to explain it, wouldn't it? I've had people sometimes new and recovery. Why do I need to do the steps? Well, I don't know that you do. I can tell you why you might want to do the step, because we got a fellowship based on a shared experience, and you won't have the experience to share if you haven't done what we did. And it's not what I did, it's what they did, because they're the ones that are declaring the results. Does it make sense? So how many of you have made a self-appraisal? How you straightened out your past. How do we straighten out our past? We got our list from four and we started prosecuting approaches for amends, right? And now we're starting to serve others. Yes? And it's why you're now endeavoring to be helpful to him. Why am I endeavoring to be helpful to you? Because nothing so much ensures immunity from alcoholism than intensive work with others. You guys know, you guys that are programming here, this whole program... They think it's revolutionary. It's right out of this book. One convict, properly armed with the facts about himself, can generally win the the confidence of that out of the convict in a few hours or minutes. Until such an accommodation is reached, nothing, little or nothing, can be accomplished. Sound familiar? It's right out of the book. This whole thing you're sitting in, right out of the book. Notice how there's blue lanyards and red lanyards and green lanyards and black lanyards and everybody's got a common goal to lift the one next to them up? It's important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery. Guys, there's not a spiritual part of my life. There's a spiritual entirety of my life and then there's worldly parts. And they're all infused with the Spirit. Because we practice these principles in all our affairs. Does it make sense? Actually, he may be helping you more than you're helping him. How many of you have learned that lesson? I've met lots of people who would not receive what I had to deliver. But I woke up. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Just had that conversation with Jeff today. They come or they don't come, but we got to try. Make it plain that he's under no obligation to you, that you hope that only that he will try and help other alcoholics when he escapes his own difficulties. How many of you have heard that from us? Don't tell us what, you, what we can do for you. Tell us what you can do for our population. We're offering a hand up, not a hand out. We're not interested in what you think we can do for you. We're interested in what you can do for your brother, right where you are. And if you can tell us that, we're going to give you a shot. Right? I see you nodding, so I know some of you got mentored by Maddie. He's hard-ass. <coughs> Suggest how important it is that he placed the welfare of other people ahead of his own. Make it clear that he's not under pressure, that he needn't see you again if he doesn't want to. You should not be offended if he wants to call it off, or he's helped you more than you've helped him. See how they took the mystery out of it? How many of you have gone out and helped somebody, and then they told you they preferred to work with someone else, and you're like... <laughs> Hope it works out for you. So my attempt at being selfless was delusional, wasn't it? So what was my awakening? I got no power. I got to remain in the vine. It is what it is. All right, so if your talk has been sane, quiet, and full of human understanding, you perhaps made a friend. How many of you have had that happen? met people, spent a little time with them, they went their way, ran into them years later, and they reminded you of some encounter you had that was meaningful. Probably at a moment where you really needed an uplift, that maybe maybe you just weren't good enough that day, and someone came up and told you, you're more than enough, you changed the course of my life. Every Those are everyday occurrences in recovery, guys. Look around, look at the people that are here. Maybe you've disturbed him about the question of alcoholism. This is all to the good. The more hopeless he feels, the better. He'll be more likely to follow your suggestions. How many of you have seen people completely hopeless, and they just said, just tell me what to do, and they started moving through the paces, and they just stayed moving through the paces? It's it's inspiring, isn't it? That's the kind of things we're trying to discern because we don't want to spend time before they're ready because we may spoil a later opportunity. We, we need that gift of desperation to empower us. It's part of the, part of the jam. And we can't save you from your experience. You're going to have your experience. I can tell you all about mine. I can tell you about a bunch of pitfalls I know, but you can learn from them if you wish. Or you can go have your own, right? So it says your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all the program. Have you ever had a candidate have reasons they knew all of it? Yeah. Have you been a candidate who didn't think you needed to do all of it? <laughs> Did you even, When we're new, we don't even know all of it. I mean, we read the steps on the wall. Have many of you ever read the steps on the wall and thought you knew what was up? How many of you tried to convince people you knew what was up and you didn't know there were people there that actually knew what was up? And, He may rebel at the thought of a drastic house cleaning which requires discussion with other people. How many of you look at that four step on the wall? You go, nah, I ain't telling that to nobody. How many of you? Well, You let, you let five scare you out of four because you don't tell nobody nothing in four necessarily. Don't let fear steal a better version of you from you. And, and don't, don't balk at a step three rungs up. Stay in the step you're in. If you lack the power to launch from a third step, it's not a go forward, it's a go back. You need an encounter. The power's found in two. Sensory power, tangible power, power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in. Yeah? And you may have to have it called to your attention because you may be dead enough in the spirit you don't feel it. How many of you had that happen? Huh? I really started feeling powerful flows of the spirit when I introduced other people through their two, their three, their... Yes? All right, so, uh-oh, I did it again. Okay, he may rebel at the thought of a drastic house cleaning which requires discussion with other people. Do not contradict such views. Tell him you once felt as he does, but you doubt whether you may, would have made much progress had you not taken action. How many of you, when you got to the other side of a four or a five or started prosecuting your amends, did have stories that could inspire people that were frightened? Anybody know what I'm talking about? The other thing that I had happened to me in nine, I had amends I didn't want to make more because of my ego than, than any kind of reality, but I could, I, my reality just got real distorted, and so I didn't want to do it. But I was sponsoring people that were like, they'd go self-surrender and go back to jail. And I was like, wow. Like, I just got to go tell somebody I stole their freaking TV. Like, they're going to let me give it back. They know me. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And, I, and I, that's why I would encourage you to start helping people right away because they, they drive us through our steps, they keep us moving. Um, so it says, it says, do not contradict such views. Tell him you once felt as he does. We you doubt you would have made much progress had you not taken action. On your first visit, tell him about the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. If he shows any interest, lend him a copy of this book. I always like to call to your attention those two sentences because you can sit in our modern fellowships for years and think you're sitting in the program. Notice how the author's differentiated right there. Tell him about the fellowship, and then if he's interested in the fellowship, then lend him a copy of our book in which you will find the program. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to be... Anal about it, guys. People die because they think they're in the program and they're sitting in our rooms miserable. And they're not hearing any truth. And more importantly, they're not learning who they are and whose they are, which is the only way. Okay. So then it says, unless your friend wants to talk further about himself, do not wear out your welcome. Give him a chance to think it over. If you do stay, let him steer the conversation in any direction he likes. Sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once, and you may be tempted to let him do so. This is sometimes a mistake. If he has trouble later, he's likely to say you rushed him. You'll be most successful with alcoholics if you do not exhibit any passion for crusade or reform. So as you get more and more infused in the spirit, enjoy the enthusiasm, but do not overshare. Read the the energy. Does that make sense? Okay. I'm going to jump from there over to 96. They start out with another caution. Do not be discouraged if your prospect does not respond at once. How many of you have worked with more than one person and many of them did not respond right away? So that's a common experience. Search out another alcoholic and try again. You're sure to find someone desperate enough to accept with eagerness what you offer. So I'm looking for how receptive they are. I'm not trying to be persuasive. Does it make sense? I'm offering myself and my testimony for them to examine. And they can decide. Does that make sense? Okay. So we find it a waste of time to keep chasing a man who cannot or will not work with you. If you leave such a person alone, he may soon become convinced that he cannot recover by himself. To spend too much time on any one situation is to deny some other alcoholic an opportunity to live and be happy. One of our fellowship failed entirely with his first half-dozen prospects. He often says if he had continued to work on them, he might have deprived many others who have since recovered of their chance. you have any idea who he's talking about, the authors there? You're talking about Bill Wilson. So, this book's written in 39. He sobered up in 35. How many people have been given a chance because he learned that lesson in 39? In 2023? Millions. and millions. You guys feel that? Some of you feel that? We need to not get ahead of the Spirit and we need to continue to move forward in the movement. That's why we're so declarative about what's going on here at new freedom too this is not a movement of man this is a movement of the living god suppose now that you're making your second visit to the man he has read this volume and says he's prepared to go through with his 12-step program of action or program of recovery having had the experience yourself you can give him much practical advice let him know you're available if he wishes to make a decision and tell his story. But do not insist upon it if he prefers to consult someone else. So they're telling us over and over, we've got to be first and foremost sure that they're comfortable. It's not my comfort. It's not my trophy. It's not how many people I got in the steps. If you're still counting, you ain't working with enough of them. Sorry. Sorry. I mean, unless all you were saints and I was the only. I had a big house cleaning to do. I've been doing it for a lot of years now. Still do it every day. I suggest to you that you, since you met me, you might want to follow suit. God doesn't send me out to treat hangnails. (laughs) Okay, I'm over at 97. never avoid these responsibilities but be sure you're doing the right thing if you assume them they had talked a little bit about providing housing and food and money and what have you so they're not saying don't don't take the responsibility for your brother or sister and help them with resources if you can but don't do it to their detriment make sure and the only way you're going to know if you're doing the right thing is consult the spirit does that make sense if you just look with your eyes you're not going to know what you're seeing, but if you check it in the spirit, you'll know what the right thing to do, right? I don't have to give you what you ask simply because you ask, but I do have to give you respect. I have to give you time. I have to give you alternatives. Find a creative way to say yes instead of judgmental ways to say no. Does that make sense? Yeah. Helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. How many of you want a recovery that's not on a foundation of stone? None of us. We all want to right? Okay. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act the good Samaritan every day if need be. Any of you know that story of the good Samaritan? The least likely guy, right? But what did he do? The Samaritan wasn't even supposed to talk to the fellow he stopped to help. But he stopped. He bandaged his wounds. He put him on his own animal. He took him to the inn, and he paid his... Paid his rent. Told the innkeeper, I'll be back in a few days. I'll settle up for him. Take care of him until I get back. How many of you had to pick some people up? Bandage them up. Put them back together. I do it every day. How many of you came away from it as a better person? So it may mean the loss of many nights sleep. greater interference with your pleasures. Interruptions to your business. It may mean sharing your money in your home. Counseling frantic wives and relatives, innumerable trips to police courts, sanitariums, hospitals, jails, and asylums. How many of you have had that experience? How many of you were in countless police courts, jails, and asylums? You remember all the people that came to pour into you? No, that's that's that debt that we pay that can never be repaid, isn't it? I don't remember all the people that came, but I remember that they came. I remember all the times they tried to encourage me when I was un, un, incapable of receiving encouragement. But I lived another day. Does it make sense? Okay. I'm trying to set you up. I was told when I went through this that these were the 12-step promises. But what I've learned is they're really our job description. That's how I put my past into use. This is the 12-step instruction, but this is really the ninth step amends. I just needed step nine to get spiritually fit enough to discern when I walk into these desperate places how to get in and how to get out and the power that gets us both out. Any of you had to go to the impossible place and yank somebody out? Yeah, we go to the most sordid spot on earth on such an errand, don't we? Because we know who, who we are and whose we are and we know what we're there to do. Okay, so it says, a drunk may smash the furniture in your home or burn a mattress. You may have to fight with him if he's violent. Sometimes you'll have to call a doctor and administer sedatives under his direction. Another time, you may have to send for the police or an ambulance. Occasionally, you'll have to meet such conditions. If you're not meeting those conditions, I suggest you look at them and see how you want to implement. That's that's your manner of living instructions. Does it make sense? So it says we seldom allow an alcoholic to live in our homes for a long, long at a time. It's not good for him, and it sometimes creates serious complications in the family. So we're not supposed to continue inconveniencing our family or their family or whatever. We're supposed to, again, hand up, not a hand out. Make sense? Um, and I'm not going to read that next page. I'm going to jump over um, to 98. I don't know if Wayne covered it last week. Hey, can we get a round of applause for Wayne? Steph- <laughs> you, guys, you guys can be a little scary. To Wayne in mass. And he stood up here like a champ. We watched him from Philadelphia. Um, it was a hoot. <laughs> so I normally what I say, is we talk about it's time to grow in understanding and effectiveness. And I said understanding of what and effectiveness at what. And that's an 11-step instruction, right? And I tell you, come back next week and I'll tell you what we're growing in understanding and effectiveness of. Well, now we're there. 98. It's not the matter of giving that's in question, but when and how to give. So, understanding of what I'm giving and how to give it, yes? Situationally. Because it's not a one size fits all, is it? That often makes the difference between failure and success. Whose? All of us, right? The minute we put our work on a service plane, the alcoholic commences to rely upon our assistance rather than upon God. Oh, that was weak. You're sleeping. (laughs) The minute we put our work on a service plane, the alcoholic commences to rely upon our assistance rather than upon God. He clamors for this or that, claiming he cannot master alcohol until his material needs are cared for. Is that true? How many of you found a way to get high when you had no material needs getting cared for? That's the biggest bunch of crap, right? Any of you get high when you didn't have a house? Hell yeah. How many of you got high when you didn't have money? Oh yeah. Some of us have taken very hard knocks to learn this truth. Job or no job, wife or no wife, we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. When we say God, when we say power, we're talking about the power in you, not teaching theology here. We're talking to you about a simple manner of living empowered by a life force that exists within you. You know how I know it exists within you? You wouldn't have gotten here by accident. Because we don't talk about anything but that here. So they're going to tell us about another sensory experience. Burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. The only condition is that he trust in God and clean house. And the manner of living is the house cleaning instructions, yes? First the inventory, then the prayer, then the making of amends, and then the service to others. Wash, rinse, repeat. And grow in consciousness. When I move it from a thought to consciousness, it's not a concept, it's an experience. Yes? I'm going to jump over to page 100. And I want to, first paragraph down, because I've heard a lot of people misunderstand this paragraph over the years, and I want... People understand we're talking about something real here, not something theoretical, not something silly. It says, both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power, and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. So I've heard people over the years say, oh, that means you got to have a new guy in the steps all the time. I mean, it's not a bad idea, but that's not what they're talking about. How many of you have found that there's a new person within you that empowers you to often act and speak better than you want to? Have you noticed as you improve consciousness of that new man or woman within you that you are less free of stress, worry, remorse? How many of you are feeling it? Because I'm feeling you powerfully in here right now. So we must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress because enough has never been enough for me. I'm addicted to more. (laughs) What's your drug of choice, Joe? More. More. I came out of a stupor, in and off the streets, went through, met that man I told you about, went through the steps, and one day I was still having hallucinations intermittently from delirium tremens that would come on and the opiate withdrawal and all the things I had going on. From that moment on, my circumstances did not change for years but I presently lived in a new and wonderful world. Amen. Like I just was never that guy, destitute. So I'm not going to tell you your circumstances are going to change rapidly. I'm telling you they are going to change. I look at Maddie and Christian sitting there, just came here from a life sentence. They were, they were delivered on the inside. You wouldn't know looking at those two fellows, what they'd done, or any number of you. I'm not just I just know them. Presently live in a new and wonderful world, regardless of your present circumstances. That's the promise. Yeah? OK. So I'm going to um, I'm going to go to 101, middle of the page says, in our belief, any scheme of combating alcoholism which proposes to shield the sick man from temptation is doomed to failure. So their witness is, I'm not here to protect you from chemicals or the world. I'm here to introduce you to power that will help you to realize you're not of this world even though you're in this world. And then these things of the world. How many of you were drinkers? Any drinkers? you ever notice that no matter how hungry you were when you were drinking, you did not want to eat because you didn't want to wreck the buzz? <laughs> the more you grow in the spirit, the less tempting a lot of worldly things are because you don't want to wreck the buzz. Not that you could tell about my eating habits, but I mean other things. <laughs> I eat for two. <laughs> so... Our, it says that if the alcoholic tries to shield himself, he may succeed for a time, but he usually winds up in a bigger explosion than ever. <clears throat> We've tried these methods. These attempts to do the impossible have always failed. So what we want you to do is get set free from you and then stay in community with like-minded people so that you can stay free and we can continue to set free and deliver, which is our calling. Yeah? So our rule a rule is not to avoid a place where there is drinking if we have a legitimate reason for being there. That includes bars, nightclubs, dances, receptions, weddings, even plain ordinary whoopee parties. I've never been to a whoopee party. But it sounds like something I'd like to, you know. To a person who is To a person who has had an experience with an alcoholic, this may seem like tempting providence, providence, but it isn't. You'll note we made an important qualification. Therefore, ask yourself on each occasion, have I any good social business or personal reason for going to this place? I'm not going to get into all the nuances of that, but a lot of you guys, you get out and you want to go home right away and you feel a sense of responsibility and you sort of know within yourself you're not really ready but you feel a calling to go, and I'm going to encourage you to ask yourself if you really have a good reason to go or if you're trying to steal a little pleasure. Because once we get you on your feet, all those people you're worrying about, they're going to get well too because of your example. But many of us come from homes that if we go back, they insist that we go back to our old role, and now we're all sick. So the God I serve calls people... He calls people out of graves. He doesn't go in to get you. So I'm going to go one more paragraph. We're careful never to show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution. Experience shows that such an attitude is not helpful to anyone. Every new alcoholic looks for this spirit among us, and is immensely relieved when he finds that we're not witch burners. A spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics whose lives could have been saved had it not been for such stupidity. Notice how they didn't mince words there. Sometimes we we shy away from the truth. It's not about telling you the truth about you. It's about telling you the truth about me. And if you don't want to hear it, you're entitled not to hear it. But if you do ask me, You should expect to hear the truth. Yes? We would not even do the cause of temperate drinking any good, for not one drinker in a thousand likes to be told anything about alcohol by one who hates it. Someday we hope that Alcoholics Anonymous will help the public to better realization of the gravity of the alcoholic problem. But we will be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness or hostility. Drinkers will not stand for it. I read all that to get to this. After all, our problems were of our own making. Bottles were only a symbol. Besides, we've stopped fighting anybody or anything. We have to. Guys, even in our current state here, we're not fighting. You guys that are here, you feel like maybe we're in a battle, but you're seeing me. We're not in a battle because we're not focusing on a win. We're focusing on a birthing Watch what comes out of this current trouble with us. Thanks. Okay. We'll see you Saturday. All right. All right.
1: Can I pl- testing? Can I please get some volunteers to put the rooms back together, please? Can Can I please get some volunteers from some members so we can put these rooms back to the the what do you call them? The the groups. Yeah there you go.